This is Tech News for MBAs. I'm Professor Paul Canetti. It is January 22nd, 2021. We made it! Uh, I've been holding my breath, just waiting for January 20th to get here, and honestly, I was not sure that it would. But, um, I mean, just how insane is it to even have to imagine or worry that, uh, you know, the next elected president might not get actually sworn in? But um, thank God uh, we're on the other side of that. There's a lot of work to be done. But at least now, someone is driving the bus. So that is awesome. As for tech, there will be many interesting changes as the result of the Biden-Harris administration, particularly with a democratically controlled Congress. And while often originating from different sets of concerns, stricter regulations for big tech seems to be a rare area of overlap across the political spectrum. The earth continues to turn, and this week plenty happened in the world of tech. As always, let's get into it. Two electric and autonomous vehicle companies, Rivian and Cruise, raised a combined $4.5 billion in new funding this week. There are two things happening here, electric vehicles and autonomous vehicles. And in combination, what it means is just a lot of new stuff happening in the world of cars. So let's start with Rivian. Rivian is a company that makes SUVs and other sorts of trucks, like pickup trucks that are electric. So they're specializing in sort of larger adventure vehicles, as they call them. And it's interesting. I mean, Tesla, for instance, has the Model X, which is sort of a hatchback. And they even build, you know, semis like big trucks. But this is more about consumer-facing SUVs and specializing in that category Electric vehicles and the ecosystem around it think, you know, charging stations, that's like gas stations, batteries, at-home charging accessories. This is a general theme that we are going to be exploring throughout this year and the years to come. And in 2020, Tesla and its Chinese competitor, NIO, were some of the fastest growing stocks in the whole public market. And so... There's definitely a lot of interest around electric vehicles, and a lot of the big companies have publicly stated uh, that they are, you know, committing to going full electric by 2025, 2030. And so we're going to see both these sort of new entrants and the traditional car companies competing for what is sort of already decided is going to be the future of automobiles. There will be a time relatively soon when gas vehicles just aren't on the road anymore, or certainly there's not going to be any new cars being manufactured that use gasoline. In parallel, you have a trend around autonomous driving or self-driving vehicles. And Cruise was the other company that raised uh, money this week. $2 billion put together from a group of investors, including Microsoft. And basically, this is in tandem with a partnership that was announced between Cruise, General Motors, and Microsoft. So you can think about Cruise doing sort of this self-driving tech. Microsoft, uh, their cloud solution, Microsoft Azure, 
providing all of the cloud infrastructure, which is really important for this sort of technology, and General Motors providing the cars, and presumably electric cars. In theory, Cruise, as a standalone company, could license their technology to other car manufacturers and really just be sort of the brains of the self-driving piece. Anyway, these two fundraising events are significant because most people think about it as the new guard is Tesla, and then there's all of the existing car manufacturers, you know. Last week, we also mentioned that Apple is working on a car. Dyson, the vacuum cleaner company, at one point was working on electric vehicles. So I think we're going to see a lot of competition here, both in the sort of uh, existing incumbents, who obviously have a lot of advantages coming in as far as manufacturing, distribution, scalability. But as we see in other categories of tech, very often the incumbents just can't make it happen because they're stuck in their old ways and afraid to cannibalize their existing businesses. And so that creates a vacuum for new entrants like Tesla and now Rivian and Cruise. WhatsApp updated its terms and privacy policy, alerting users as they opened the app that they needed to accept those changes or delete their accounts, leading to users and even entire countries to basically freak out. If you use WhatsApp, you might have seen this message pop up and you might have thought nothing of it and just clicked OK or accept. It's fairly common practice for apps and websites to do this when they make a significant change to their terms or privacy policy to alert or notify their users that they've done so. And simply by using a service like that or signing up for an account, you are accepting their terms. There's really no option of not accepting them. But there was something weird about the way they phrased it, like you can do this or you can just, you know, delete your WhatsApp account. And I think also the timing was unfortunate with everything happening in the world of tech with the removal of Parler and people getting removed from Twitter. And the whole idea is that WhatsApp is supposed to be a private, secure place where you can go. And it is. Those messages are encrypted end to end, meaning that WhatsApp and Facebook cannot read what's inside those messages. But this particular update was actually in part about giving more data to Facebook, the parent company of WhatsApp, uh, particularly around what businesses you might be interacting with on WhatsApp. You can actually like chat to get customer support, things like that using WhatsApp. And that might be interesting for Facebook or Instagram to be able to serve relevant ads based on which businesses you're talking to in WhatsApp. Again, they don't actually know what you're saying, um, but that is largely what the change was about. You know, WhatsApp was purchased by Facebook for almost $20 billion back in 2014. Before that, WhatsApp actually had a whole sort of manifesto called Why We Don't Sell Ads. And there was a lot of skepticism when Facebook bought them. That's not going to work out so well if you are part of Facebook. And I see the rubber kind of hitting the road here. And so a lot of people are leaving WhatsApp supposedly to go to some of these other apps like Telegram or Signal. The truth is you don't know that much about those companies either. And people are very willing to sign up for these services without really doing their due diligence. I don't know how widespread this actually is, but like my father, who is 74 years old, sent me a screenshot of one of his friends saying like, hey, everyone's leaving WhatsApp and they're going to signal. But I also think WhatsApp is incredibly sticky. Your groups are already there. Your family, your friends are there. But maybe a bigger effect is that the government of India actually requested that WhatsApp revoke these changes citing that the European Union had special exemption from some of these changes and 
Why shouldn't they as well? Long story short, Facebook has decided to push the changes out to mid-May so that they give users a little time to read them. And who knows, maybe they'll end up revising some of it before that. But my guess is they're just waiting for things to kind of blow over. In last week's episode, we talked about the actions of many major tech companies in the aftermath of the attack on the Capitol. This week, there continued to be a ripple effect across the tech landscape. We'll talk about that after this 15-second message from our sponsor, Bounce House. Bounce House helps you sell one-on-one sessions and group classes online, built for one-person businesses like personal trainers, yoga instructors, and nutritionists. Bounce House is giving away a 1,000 free licenses to those affected by the pandemic. Go to bounce.house to learn more. That's bounce.house. Bounce House. Sell your service online. And we're back. Okay, here are some updates on the continued fallout from the insurrection at the United States Capitol two weeks ago. Right-wing app Parler is back up thanks to Russian service providers after being removed by all major U.S. providers and suffering a major hack of user data along the way. And Nancy Pelosi's laptop was stolen by insurrectionists at the Capitol, potentially containing state secrets. Okay, let's take these one by one. I know we covered a lot of this last week, but first of all, Parler. So Parler was removed from the Apple App Store, from Google Play, from Amazon Web Services, their hosting provider, and a variety of other services that really uh, made it impossible for them to operate their business in any way. Now they have a homepage, at least, back online that says they will be coming back soon, And the latest is that they are considering being hosted on a company run out of Russia. So the website would be available in the U.S., but actually sort of running off Russian servers. The downside there, one of the downsides, is that the Russian government could have access to all that data and they would have to comply with Russian requests for data, etc. That being said, they suffered a major breach data-wise already, uh, calling it a hack would imply that it took some skill to do it. Basically, they had all sorts of exposed information, including where their users lived, of course, what they said, uh, and even pictures of their photo IDs, pretty much available for anyone who was looking for it. And all of that has been now dumped online and accessible to journalists and basically anyone that wants it which is kind of scary. And for anyone that thinks that this whole parlor thing is blown a little out of proportion, here are some of the posts that were cited in Amazon's documentation around why they removed parlor from their service. A warning, if you are listening to this with children present or if you just don't want to hear horrible things from the internet, these are quite graphic. But I think it's important for us to actually understand what was happening on parlor. Shoot the police that protect these shitbag senators right in the head, then make the senator grovel a bit before capping, they ass. After the firing squads are done with the politicians, the teachers are next. We need to act like our forefathers did, kill black and Jewish people, leave no victims or survivors. Okay, uh... This is why Parler was removed. These people are speaking out in the open and Parler is doing nothing to remove these sorts of posts. Now, these sorts of things exist everywhere on the internet. If you've ever been in the comments section of a YouTube video or anywhere else, but those companies at least are trying really, really hard. Facebook has 30 
thousand human beings that they employ to find and take down content like this. It's not a perfect system. There are billions of posts a day. It's just an unmanageable problem. But Parler specifically said, hey, if you want to say stuff that the Facebook moderators would take down, come and say it over here. I'm not saying everyone on Parler is a terrible person, but why would you go to hang out there with all the terrible people? It just doesn't really, um, it's not much of a defense. As far as Nancy Pelosi's laptop, and there were a bunch of other things stolen, photographed, and potentially compromised by the mob at the Capitol building, you know, Nancy Pelosi's laptop presumably has a lot of stuff on there that you wouldn't want getting out. Turns out that uh, the person that stole it apparently was trying to sell it to some people in Russia. But the idea that state secrets could be so easily taken out of the building because it was so easy to get into the building is just maddening. And I read a piece that, forget taking a laptop, they could have planted bugs, microphones, all sorts of things. They could have installed surveillance software on the computers that are in the building. They could have done so many things, just nobody actually knows what happened there. And it's going to take so, so, so long to figure it out. It's a complete IT and national security nightmare to just sort out what could have happened during those hours where those people were in the building. Okay, let's end with a lighter one. Amazon is bringing its Just Walk Out technology to Hudson, which operates over a thousand stores in airports across North America. If you can remember back to a time when we used to go to airports, you have probably been in a Hudson News. I actually had a meeting once with the founder of Hudson News, who disappointingly is not named Mr. Hudson. His name was Mr. Cohen. Anyway, so you're at the airport, you're at Hudson News, you get a magazine, a pack of gum, some snacks, whatever the case may be, and you go to the cash register to check out. Well, now you can just walk out. And Just Walk Out is the name of the technology that Amazon is bringing to Hudson stores, which it pioneered in their own stores called Amazon Go. Amazon Go has had a few pilot locations starting in Seattle. Uh, There's a couple here in New York. The basic concept is that you shop and you can just walk out of the store and it automatically knows what you bought and charges your Amazon account without you doing anything. And without you seeing anyone, there's no employees in the store. Kind of great for the COVID age. You don't have to interact with anyone. It's also super fast. Feels kind of like you're stealing. It's just fun. Um, You know, you walk out and then a little notification comes on your phone like, thanks for buying this Diet Coke. And you're like, how did they know? The way that they really do it is with cameras and artificial intelligence, computer vision, and who knows what other trickery they have going on. But it's pretty neat. However... There is a larger trend here about automation and the replacement of jobs. So think about how many people are employed as cashiers across all of retail. Uh, When you think about self-driving cars, we didn't even talk about it, but think about, you know, taxis, delivery drivers, truck drivers. Slowly, slowly, the robots are taking over, but uh, it doesn't look the way we thought. There's not a physical robot shaped like a human. It's just a bunch of cameras that know if you, you know, bought a pack of gum. This week's headlines laid a good baseline for what are likely to be some of the biggest themes of 2021. Innovations in the car industry, the continued conversation around content moderation and online speech, as well as user privacy, 
autonomy and its impact on labor markets. We've still got one more week of January left, so let's see what the next week has in store for us. I have a simple request for you this and every week, which is to do one or more of the following. Subscribe, leave a review, or tell a friend. I'm Professor Paul Canetti. I'll see you next week for more tech news for MBAs. 